welcome everybody. And again, we want to welcome <laughs> the minister, the watchmen that are watching. And uh, yeah. welcome family. Facebook and YouTube. Hello, fam. Yes. And, uh, we're excited. And for those of you that are in the Zoom room, um, you're in the right place. And we're just really, really excited. <laughs> um, we've been anticipating this moment and believing that the Lord certainly has a word for us tonight. So I'm not going to um, give a whole bunch of uh, ados, but I, <laughs> but I want to just say, uh, thank you so much uh, to Pastor Barb for agreeing to be with us. And um, I was telling somebody, I think it was Apostle Bain, I said, well, I listen to her twice a week, but she's coming to our house. And so this is different. <laughs> yes, so I'm excited. Amen. But I want to read um, her bio, and uh, then I'll turn the service over to Pastor Barb, and she can... Come in her own way, as they used to say in the old church. Amen. Uh, Reverend Barbara Williams uh, was born in Cleveland, Ohio, the second of four daughters. She attended Catholic and public schools in Cleveland and colleges in Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, graduating from Case uh, Western Reserve University, Francis Payne Bolton School of Nursing. Well, that's a lot. Uh, with a, a BSN degree. After working as a nurse, a teacher, a hairdresser, a pharmaceutical salesperson, and a respiratory therapist, Reverend Williams began to experience a sense of dissatisfaction, which led to a severe depression in 1980. It was then that she heard the Lord Jesus Christ and gave her life to the Lord. Reverend Williams is, ordained, is an ordained minister who stands in the office of prophet and teacher. She teaches life in the spirit and supernatural living. The healing gifts operate in her ministry, amen, and she teaches healing schools and miracle services in Cleveland, Ohio, Detroit, Michigan, and Sandusky, Ohio. She's president and founder of the Ministry of the Watchman International, Grace and Truth Ministries, and she pastors two Watchman uh, churches in Cleveland and in Detroit. Uh, she functions in the broad range of, of the Prophet's ministry as a songwriter and music producer, she produces a new sound of prophetic music and is known for live music recordings done in her semi-annual conferences held in Detroit. She takes her message wherever the Lord leads and teaches in local churches, conferences, and workshops. The Ministry of the Watchman's weekly uh, broadcast, Strong Faith, can be seen on television in Ohio and Michigan. Reverend Williams' gift as an inspired writer allows her to publish and edit teaching and prayer manuals plus newsletters and books. She's authored over 20 books, including The Ministry of the Watchman, Beacon to the Body of Christ, Keeper of the Lord's Lighthouse, Women of Power, um, uh, Three Who Trusted God, I Plead the Blood, but that's a good one, The Blood Covenant Between God and Man, Jesus is the Way of Healing, and I think her newest book is uh, Don't Forget That You Loaded. Amen, from Psalm 103. And uh, the revelation gifts and the spirit of teaching revelation gift are both operating her ministry, and she encourages believers to walk in the spirit, walk in authority over the powers of darkness, and walk worthy of their calling. By impartation, she activates gifts and empowers believers to do the work of ministry and to have signs following their work. Whittled in 2002, Reverend Williams was married to the late Aubrey D. Williams, uh, for 29 years, and uh, she currently resides in Columbia Station, Ohio. 
Um, I want to thank the Lord for Pastor Bob, who is a true prophet. Um, I always like to say this, that at the beginning of 20, whenever it was, <laughs> people were saying, oh, 2020. People were saying, you know, the normal stuff, 2020 vision, double portion. And um, she had a word, Lord have mercy. It really prophesied this pandemic. And uh, nobody was really saying that. Um, there's just very few. And uh, maybe like three, maybe two. But Pastor Barb absolutely had that. And and then she prophesied some other things that, you know, prophets usually just want to tell you good stuff. But she tells you the word of the Lord. And it's always the promise from God that if we stay faithful to him, he's going to stay faithful to us. So I would ask you to stand, but I don't know how that would work on Zoom. So just inside stand. And, let's, and, and you can give a, just a wonderful welcome to Pastor Prophetess Barbara Williams. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Am I being heard? Okay, yes. Good. If I wasn't a nothing else I could do, I push. I pushed my buttons that I was supposed to push. So anyway, well, it's good to be with you all. I was listening to the praise and worship. I said, "Boy, oh boy, that brings back memories." It warmed my heart, reminded me of the conferences and the Rejoice Detroit meetings, which we just all love. I know I've always loved those meetings, and I really felt like we got a lot so much done and, and uh, we're able to blend two ministries together in the work of the Lord. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, we shouldn't be strangers to one another, you know, um, in, in the ministry and, and in the body of Christ. And so I was just so thankful for those opportunities that God gave us to work together. And, and I know we'll work together. We're working together right now. So we, we might have to stretch a little bit to get it done, but we will get it done. But anyway, it's just good to be here. And I thank Bishop Russell and the New Covenant of Peace family for the invitation. And um, I'm just really, really happy to share with you guys and uh, check in on you, see what you're doing, you can see what I'm doing. And uh, it's a blessing, it really, really is. So thank God for that. Um, so we'll go go into the word. I, the Lord did give me some things to share, and, and we'll share those. And in prayer uh, before we get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity. We're coming before your throne. We know you have a message for us. You always want to speak to the people. We're open to hear what you have to say. Uh, we thank you, Father, that it is not by might or by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. And so we just want to uh, be mindful of that and give you free reign, anticipating what you have to say to us, and it will do us good. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So um, I just wanted to share some things that the Lord has placed in my heart to share um, about this theme, this scripture about uh, not being by might or by power, but by God's spirit. And, and we always want to allow God to take the lead, even though he works through us and he uses us. Um, we want, we want what God wants, and we want him to have the preeminence. We want him to empower us. We want him to be our breakthrough. Uh, we want him to be our, the one who speaks through us, gives us his vision and his idea. 
And so as I was reading uh, through the book of, of uh, Zechariah, I was noticing all the different people that were involved in the building of the house of Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple. Uh, as you know, during this time, uh, Israel had, had been captive in Babylon, and they had served out their time with the time that God had told them they would serve in that country, and they were coming back back to Jerusalem and and as God is rebuilding he's having to use a variety of people um, of course they are pulled together by the word of the Lord that comes through the mouth of the prophet uh, and there are several prophets that are are uh, uh, I guess you could say instrumental in in putting forth the word of the Lord that eventually was um, was responsible for rebuilding the temple of Jerusalem. Uh, one of those was uh, Zechariah. Then there were a couple of other prophets. Haggai was one. Um, uh, and, and they spoke into the lives and into the minds and the hearts of the people that God was choosing to do the work. And so what it, it speaks to me is that there are so many pieces to this puzzle. There are so many parts, so many moving parts, so many important people um, uh, that that come into the prominence of God to do their part. And then they kind of fade into the background and somebody else comes in and, and does their part, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what the thing that, that came uh, clear to me was that God uses people that he wants to use for the season he wants to use them and then it's up to him who he uses to go further. Um, many of the people that are prominent now uh, in the move of God are going to fade into the background and God will pull forth other gifts and other people uh, to be prominent in, in the things that he's doing. And I think that's how God keeps it by his spirit. Uh, it, it's his spirit that's doing in the work, and I think the fact that he would use different individuals to accomplish his will speaks volumes as far as the preeminence of God and of His Spirit are concerned. Um, I think we're living in a time now where we are rebuilt. Uh, this time that we're in uh, worldwide for the church is a time of rebuilding. Um, we have been scattered uh, by the pandemic and and by <clears throat> <clears throat> the different governments uh, that we've been trusting in. I think people are seeing very clearly that they cannot trust in man. So it's not by man's might, man's power, not by governmental power. Uh, it's not by any of those things. But we're going to have to really, really, really bumper down and trust God. And God is making honest people out of us. You know, um, I mean, I know we love God and we have pure motives most of the time, most of us. But God is forcing our hand in, in, um, and really just requiring purity, honesty, um, attentiveness to him, obedience to him. Uh, he's straightening people up, you know, is what I can tell you. He's, he's kind of gotten us in a place where we can do nothing but cry out to him day and night. And, and it's a good thing. I, I think a lot of this... Uh, you can see God's hand in it. He's He's never absent from from helping us. He's never uh, beyond our reach. But He is forcing us 
to trust him and to trust his spirit to get the job done. And so as I look um, across the, you know, spiritual landscape, as they say, <laughs> you know, I can see the hand of God in the things that, that are going on. And, and he is testing us as he, he said he would do in the year 2020, we would be tested the double. And I think somebody, some people are on their third and fourth test. You know, you're getting triple, quadruple. Uh, we're being tested until God says that we, we've accomplished. He's been able to do everything in us that he has wanted to do. And he is cleaning up the church. The Bible says that, that judgment starts in the house of God. And we're not being judged and, and cast out. But we, our works are being judged. Our hearts and our motives are being judged. All of this is is under scrutiny uh, in God. And, and uh, I think it, that's why you see uh, people who are given more over to worship and in their personal time and desiring the things of God and, and uh, things that are, are important to him, seeking him, uh, not wanting to make a move unless we know he's with us, that kind of thing. So I think there's a, a desire on God's heart to strengthen us, to get rid of some stuff that, that's carnal, that he can't use. And it's, it's his choice not to use uh, certain gifts, certain abilities, all these things, you know. And, and so it's just a good thing. If you can see the good in it, it's good. Um, and if you can see God's hand in these things, uh, that's even better because uh, I just encourage people, if just always ask God, what, what are you doing? And show me where you're moving. Uh, show me what my part is, uh, if I'm to play a part in these things. And and show me what I'm to do. And and I think living a life of prayer is always the right thing to do. Um, I can say, and that's not just because I, I have a prayer ministry, uh, but I know it's always the right thing to do. Living a life close to God, in submission to God, all of those things are very, very important. So I figure I'd go back a little bit and give some history of, of our our. Um, our story or our scripture in Zechariah uh, chapter four, um, there's a, a little backstory here that I thought I would share um, as I was going through uh, some, some, uh, some teachings that I, I kind of was fond of regarding these, these uh, times that, that Zechariah uh, was living in. Uh, the prophecy that, that uh, Zechariah gives is to Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was the governor of a province in Judah that was close to Jerusalem. And he was the grandson of Jeconiah, the king of Judah. So um, he wasn't really a king, but he was of that lineage. He had that, that upbringing, um, that responsibility, that, that um, I guess you could call it that training. Uh, so... God always chooses people. He doesn't just bring people out of nowhere and obscurity. They have to have some credibility with him and some credentials and so forth. So he wasn't in line to be a king uh, in Judah, but he was a governor. He was a leader. And this was during the time of Cyrus, the king of Media Persia, the Archimedic uh, king. And it was during that empire. And uh, um, Zerubbabel was given the charge 
to lead the captives of the children of Israel back from Babylon to Jerusalem. And there was a goodly number of, of, of exiles that he brought back. It was close to 50,000 people that he was governing over. Uh, and he was able, even with that work that he was doing, he was able to lay the foundation uh, for the restoration of that second temple in Jerusalem. And so um, Ezra was also a contemporary of Zerubbabel. He he seemed to have lived quite a long time, and he was uh, building, uh, uh, laying some things down, foundations for the rebuilding of the temple uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, in in Zechariah 4, where our scripture is, that's where we, we kind of meet him. And it says here <clears throat> that Zechariah sees a vision, as prophets often do. Back in the day, they were called seers. And, and many of them uh, saw visions and saw things. And, and I like the examples that they set forth for us in the Bible. Um, these prophets questioned God about what they were seeing, uh, and God questioned them about what they were seeing until they saw eye to eye with the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and I always caution people when they say, well, God gave me a dream and, and, and this, and God gave me this. You need to check and see if that was really God that gave that to you. And if there's any significance, if there's any message, because many times people will have dreams and, and they make up their own interpretation or they go around and ask a bunch of people what they think it means. And you don't see that. That's, that's never a, um, and that's, you, they didn't get that from the Bible. And I like the fact that these prophets always ask God what it is that they're looking at. So in four verse one, he says, the angel who talked with me, me came again. So he's, uh, Zechariah's been having an ongoing, some ongoing visions and words from God uh, through this angel. And he said, he awakened me like a man who was wakened out of his sleep. So I'm reading from the Amplified because it expands the meaning a little bit for us. And it, it really did uh, give me a little bit of historical background through the Amplified. And he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with its bowl for oil on the top of it, and the seven lamps on it, and there are seven pipes to each of the seven lamps which are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right and one side of the bowl, the other on the left side of it, feeding it continuously with oil. So I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these things, my Lord? That's the best thing to do when you get a vision, a dream, a visitation. I don't care. You ask what these things really mean. And the angel who talked with me answered me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. He said to me, this addition of the bowl to the candlestick, causing it to yield a ceaseless supply of oil from the olive trees is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So what he's saying is Zerubbabel is to have a continual leading of the word of the Lord till he accomplishes the work God gave him to do, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, of whom the oil is a symbol, says the Lord of hosts. For who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles? 
before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him. You shall become a plain, a mere molehill, and he shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the new temple with a loud shouting from the people crying grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it. Then you shall know and recognize and understand that the Lord of hosts has sent me his messenger to you, who with reason despises the day of small things. For these seven shall rejoice when they see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then I said to him, the angel who talked with me, what are these two olive trees on the right side of the lampstand and on the left of it? And the second time I said to him, what are these two olive branches that are beside the two golden tubes or sprouts by which the golden oil is emptied out? And he answered me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two sons of oil, Joshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the prince of Judah, the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth as his anointed instruments. And so what God did here was he promised Zerubbabel that the work he did would not be small forever. And I think that's a good word to all of us. Um, and I don't think God means small in number. I think we, as as believers in this day and age, we're kind of number, we're a number overload. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember back in the uh, six, not in the 60s, but in the 80s, I'm sorry. I'm dating myself. <laughs> in the 80s and 90s, there were so many prophecies about um, God's going to fill the the, the uh, stadiums <clears throat> with Christians. You're going to see stadiums full of people, uh, uh, you know, serving God, worshiping God, and, and all of that. And then we saw we saw it come to pass. There was promise keepers um, that started out. Um, a very, very modest idea from, from a football coach of all people. And uh, it grew into stadiums full of men worshiping God. And that lasted for a season, and then it, it petered out. So it looks like the day of small things is, is kind of like consistently uh, prominent throughout the work of God. Azusa Street was a small thing, but it had a very, very mighty impact. It only lasted, I think, either three to six years. I think it was um, uh, 1906 to 199, something like that. Um, but the impact of it was huge because it was done by God's Spirit. And so these things we have to keep in mind because when we start prophesying, we start trying to figure out what God's doing and find out what he's doing and find out our place in it. It's very, very important to understand that God sees things a whole lot differently than we do. Uh, whenever he's involved in something, it's important. 
it's big to him, it's huge to him. And it doesn't matter the number of people that are involved. That's never, never something, uh, you know, that's, that's important to God. He wants to reach the whole world, but he doesn't have to reach everybody all at one time. Uh, he, he has eons if he wants to take that amount of time to get his work done. And so I'm just very, very thankful that God reminds us that everything that he does starts as a seed. And, and as Zechariah said, who in his right mind would despise the day of small things as long as God's the author of it? Uh, what starts out small can be big. What starts out small can stay small. But if God's in it, it will be powerful. It will have an impact and it will be uh, 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 earth changing. It, it will be uh, life changing for many, many people. It will feed many people. Uh, all of those things are true. So Zerubbabel <clears throat> set about doing the work that God had put him here to do. And we look over in, in chapter six, um, and it says uh, here, uh, Zechariah is again receiving another vision. He says in verse one, and again, I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, four chariots came from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of firm, immovable bronze. The first chariot had red or bay horses, the second black horses, third white, and the fourth had dappled or, or active and strong horse. And I said to the angel that talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered me, these are the four winds or spirits of the heavens. And they go forth from presenting themselves before the Lord of all the earth. The chariot with the black horses is going forth into the north country. The white ones going forth after them because they're two northern powers to overcome. Our dappled ones are going forth toward the south country. And the chariots with the strong horses went forth and sought to go that they might uh, patrol the earth. And the Lord said to them, go walk to and fro through the earth and patrol it. So they walked about through the earth, watching and protecting it. Then he summoned me and said to me, Behold, these that go toward the north country have quieted my spirit of wrath and have caused it to rest in the north country. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Accept donations and offerings from these as representatives of the exiles of Heldai from Tobiah and from Jedediah, who, who have come from Babylon and come and come the same day and go to the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Yes, take from them silver and gold and make crowns and set one upon the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and say to him, thus saith the Lord of hosts, you, Joshua, behold, look deep in sight and watch the man, the Messiah, whose name is the branch, for he shall grow up in his place and shall build the true temple of the Lord. Yes, you are building the temple of the Lord, but it is he who will build the true temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the honor and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between the two offices of the priest and the king. And the other crown shall be credited to Helam, to Tobiah, to, Jed to Jedediah, and to the kindness and favor of Josiah, the son of Jeff 
Zephaniah, and it shall be in the temple of the Lord for a reminder and a memorial. And so what God is really saying here is that even though Israel was building a physical temple, what would come after that would be much greater than it. This was only to be a uh, a symbol in the Old Testament of what was to come. And we all know that to be true. Zerubbabel had a very difficult time accomplishing what God gave him to do. And that's why God promised him that he was going to begin it and he would finish it. So what God was saying is, um, I'm going to give you credit for what you do here. But there was so much opposition to the work of building the temple. What Zerubbabel was able to accomplish only was to uh, recall back to Jerusalem all the furnishings from the temple that they needed for worship. Uh, if you recall Nebuchadnezzar's son um, and his drunken party took those those furnishings, the goblets and, and all of those items that were a part of the temple worship, and uh, they drank from them. And uh, when they that curse fell upon him for from de defaming and defiling the, the goods of the Lord's house, those items were taken and locked up. Uh, for safekeeping, and nobody, none of the heathen dare touch them after that. And so those things were held in reserve. You know, God, when God, something's dedicated to God, he looks after it. And he uh, made sure that there, they would be there for his people after the captivity, and when they would be released from captivity and returned back to Jerusalem, they would have all the furnishings that were needed for the, for the temple. And so the the exile, captive exiles, the people who, the 50,000 people that uh, Zerubbabel brought back uh, to Jerusalem had brought those items with them. So when they left Babylon, the, the king of Babylon gave them those items to take with them. It's like, we don't want your stuff. Uh, we're giving you this. And, and that was kind of typical with God's people, um, that when they left someplace, they left wealthy. That's just a, a Bible truth. Um, wherever they went, wealth followed them, came with them. Um, it's, and it's something, it's the release of God. It's a provision of God. Uh, when Israel, when Moses brought Israel out of Egypt the first time, uh, we all know he brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. Well, the silver and the gold was really supposed to be for the building of the temple of God. They didn't know there was going to be a temple built. That's why they built a golden calf and, and squandered, tried to squander much of what God had given them uh, as, as, um, you know, as, as precious items that he would need for the furnishing of the temple, where it would be a, a respectable place where people would come to worship the God of the whole universe. And it had to be built according to the rules of God. And so Zerubbabel was having a very difficult time accomplishing the building of the temple. As a matter of fact, um, if you if you look at, I'm trying to think where I want to go with this. So Zechariah 6, that's where we are now. Um, uh, he 
They, he's gathering all the gold from the returned exiles. Um, we need to understand also that Zerubbabel could not complete the work that he had started. He, he was only able to hold in reserve the precious things that he had. And, and this was over a period of over 40 years, it appears to me. We know that later on, Nehemiah would come uh, during the, uh, the reign of um, Artaxerxes about 60 years later and finish rebuilding the temple. And so, and it, it looks like Zerubbabel may still have been alive during a very short portion of that time, but it doesn't look like he was the one, he is not the one who actually physically completed it. So what did God mean when he said his hands would begin it and his hands will complete it? Well, his hands put together all of the precious items for the temple. And God set forth, uh, uh, you know, a caveat. It won't be by might or by power, but by my spirit. So what he was telling uh, Zechariah to tell Zerubbabel is that your hands are being used now to gather all the necessary items for worship. And I'm going to honor you as the one who began and finished it with your hands. And so one of the items that uh, uh, Zerubbabel collected was the capstone or the part of the wall that would be the final brick that they put in or stone that they put in the wall when it was finished. And, and so um, that's really what God was telling him. Uh, and, and the people, the people that, that were there with uh, uh, Zerubbabel in Jerusalem uh, had a very challenging time. It was a time where people were scrambling to make sure that they could live, uh, that they could eat, uh, that they were going back to their own land, that they were building. And so there was this like a distraction, I think, uh, with the natural building of their natural lives and, and the things that they, they needed from day to day. Uh, they became so absorbed with that, that there was very little resource, uh, uh, human, human resources to help uh, with the building of the temple. And so the temple building went very slow. Uh, it was almost non-existent for a while. Um, and so it's, it's just something that we need to keep in mind that while God is building, the enemy is, is constantly doing things to try and distract people from the actual work that God wants them to do. And Zerubbabel is one of those people that, that hung in there, but he did not get a lot accomplished. Um, he was working in the natural. God was with him, but God would have to uh, do this in his own way, in his own time, and in a time where he could accelerate the work to the degree where he, he really wanted to have it done. And so um, we know that Nehemiah did uh, finish the work. Nehemiah was a contemporary of Ezra, the scribe, and Ezra knew Zerubbabel. They, they uh, had some contact with one another. So you see this connection where God has people who are in prominence. They do the work that God is calling them to do, and they kind of hand off the baton to the next generation, the next and the next and the next. And I think it's so 
so completely similar to what's going on with God's people now in the body of Christ. We are seeing <clears throat> a changing, you know, they say changing of the guard. We're, we're having, we're moving into a new move of God, uh, revival. Um, all of that is true. But I think what's happening is God is in his own way um, fading some people who were prominent into the background. And he's moving people in such a way that the people he really is going to use will be uh, made ready. And I think this, this last move of God is going to be a believer's move. It's going to have to be because we can't, we can't crowd around the TV and watch one or two prominent people know everything about God. It's not possible. And I think God has used people like that because, um, and I'm thankful he has, uh, but that's just one way God does by his spirit. And if we think that, that might and power is not involved in some of these, these situations, um, it is. Um, there's many things that are of the hand of man that are, are you know, being used to, to try and build God's kingdom, but it's not standing very strong. And so it's just like it was in Zerubbabel's day where he tried to build and tried to build and tried to build and, and people, the, the enemies of God's people uh, hindered him, harassed him, made fun of him, just like they did with with um, uh, uh, Nehemiah. But Nehemiah was so given over to God's spirit that he just blazed through and fought through everything that Nehemiah faced, Zerubbabel had faced, but it kind of tended to hinder him and hold him back and kind of defeat him. But the thing that Zerubbabel did was extremely important in his day. Because he brought the captives back. He settled the people in the land. He was able to let those people find their own land again. They built houses. They decided, they started to live again. So that by the time Nehemiah came to finish the real building of the physical temple, uh, those people were all in place. So uh, his work, Zerubbabel's work, was very, very important. Uh, a lot of it he did in the natural. He had to govern the people. He had to make sure everybody had money they needed and, and uh, had their uh, cattle and all of that, you know, any disputes that came out, he had to settle those. So he was not a builder exclusively. He was more of a manager, but his work was necessary because he had to manage the people. He had to oversee and, and secure all of the gold and the silver that was needed to finish off the temple. And so you can see how one person's ministry or one person's work is, is strongly connected to the next individual so that everybody's important to God. All their work is important to God. God has specific things that he wants each and every one of us to do. And I believe he's kind of causing us to delve a little bit deeper to want to know the extent uh, of, of what we are to do. I mean, I know, I know, I I feel it. I feel like God. Am I really doing using my time wisely? And even though we're praying, even though we're seeing results, there's always more. 
there's always more God wants to reveal, and there's always more bricks, so to speak, to put into the temple. So, so these are in, important times, I think, in God's kingdom. Even though we can't, most of us are not meeting in churches like we used to, they're still uh, harassing governments and people that are trying to keep us from focusing on the work of the ministry and on building and equipping people, coming back into our buildings, uh, coming back and and gathering people again. There's still pockets uh, in this nation all over the world. Some places are worse. In Canada, they're putting preachers in jail, hauling them off out of their churches. Who would have ever thought such a thing would be seen? Um, But when you get into a, a world where people now are wanting power for power's sake, um, forcing people, threatening you to take your job if you don't take a shot. Like, how important is that? You know what I'm saying? Um, it's beyond really thinking. So these are all the distractions and, and uh, I guess you can say oppositions to God's people getting his work done. Uh, because it there is a direct effect of of what our government does from day to day on our freedom and our ability to stay focused on the things of the spirit. You know, whenever you gotta distract yourself from what you're doing and come over in the natural and, and fight this demon that's trying to take this and this one is trying to take that, there's not much building that can get done. But God is doing it by his spirit, just like he did it back in the day of Zerubbabel and then Nehemiah. He is still building by his spirit. So so um, Zerubbabel's day was a day of small things. Uh, people were newly returned from captivity and had to reestablish their lives first and then the temple. So what we're seeing now, and, and I know if you look around, you could see people are, they haven't been working. So now they've got to go find a job. They've got to they've got to rebuild their personal life. They've got to get things that pertain to life um, together. They've got to have security. They've got to have a house to live in and and food on the table and all those things. And every day, those things are being threatened. Uh, the price of everything keeps going up every day, and and that's a distraction. Uh, and it's a challenge. And so. We're having to be distracted from believers going out and doing the work of the ministry. I mean, how many how many churches can really? I know you guys you guys do it because you never stop. I mean, that's that's what you do. But there are so many churches that would like to go out and and minister on the streets. Number one. You don't know if if you should wear a mask, shouldn't wear a mask. Should you pray for somebody? Can you lay hands on them? Do you touch them? Do you not touch them? Uh, these are great distractions from the work of the ministry. This The work of the ministry should never stop. We should always have a way to reach people who are in need. And yet we're having to, to, to make adjustments and think about it twice and Go back to God in prayer and God, how do we do this? Uh, what can we do? Um, and, and people who are, are that you might meet maybe are reluctant to open up to you and to, to 
tell you the things that they need. So these are all distractions from the, the work of the ministry, which is the temple of God. We are the temple of God and we do the work of the ministry. And so it's, it's all of this is being done to immobilize the church, neutralize the church, keep us from going forward in power. But God is going to do it by his spirit anyhow. We need to understand that God is never limited. Even though we may be trying to figure out ways to do this, or, and can we really do that? And, and am I going to have a job? And, and uh, uh, are they going to let me stand on my principles if I feel I don't need the the uh, the the jab? And 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 you know, I I'm trusting God with my body by faith, and He's kept me alive for two years without this. I mean. You know, come on, folks. This is, and it's it's not even that effective any more than not getting it is effective for prevention anyway. So um, this this kind of stuff you have to look at. It's a power play. It's a distraction, and it's come to hinder and retard and slow down what the devil knows is the coming move of God. The the enemy sees it because he can read the signs as well. He sees it sometimes better than the church because the church will get involved in politics and argue with each other and, and crazy things and, and, you know, all of that where the devil just stays straight in the spirit and keeps stirring things up and cooking stuff up to keep us bound and keep us um, from accomplishing what God wants us to do. So, so we, have, we as the church have been held captive worldwide. Pandemics and lockdowns are aimed at God's people. Make no mistake about it. It's aimed at us. It, it, there's nothing else of value to the devil except stopping us. So if he has to stop a whole city to stop us, he'll do it. Because he knows what's coming. He knows it better than we do. We can only imagine what God's going to be doing. If we would stay more in the spirit and get glimpses of his glory and do more prayer and do more fasting and do more reading of our word. He'd start to speak to us about exactly what's coming and how to know. Now we've had many prophecies about it and, and we have some understanding, but, but it's sketchy. And I think God likes to fill in the, the, the blanks, you know, he doesn't like the sketch all the time. He likes the full picture. And so we need to be crying out to God for the full picture. God revealed to me the full picture. I see, you know, we, we have the Tommy Hicks vision from, from really 1960s, I think. And Bob Jones was a good one. Prophet Bob Jones was a good one of uh, explaining to us the decades, what each decade would bring. And, and uh, we've got... Uh, all, over a hundred year old prophecy from Sister Etter and from um, uh, Brother Seymour that said uh, they both prophesied in the early 1900s, approximately hundred years from now, which would bring it up to to 2000, the early 2000s. There would be a greater move of God that would sweep the earth. Well, you think the devil hasn't held on to that word and knows what's coming? And knows he wants to try and stop it. If, if he can stop that, he can can extend his time. But his times get his time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Because what's happened now is is people Christians are being forced to look at God 
We're being forced to notice God. We're being forced to quit looking at his hand and start looking at his face. And we're putting away a lot of these childish things. Wanting money, you can't take it to heaven with. You won't need it. You don't need anything. When you leave here naked, you came in and naked, you go out. And so that includes your, your goods too. And so it's a time for us to strip down to what's really, really necessary and, uh, and start celebrating the Lord. And I think instead of celebrating the house, the car, the come on, how many of those do you need? Just need one of each. And, and they can run by faith. You know, I've had lots of stuff run by faith. I don't need to all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And so these are things that we have to, this is what the testing, the 2020 testing, double testing is all about. We're being tested to the max. When one test is over, we go right into another. And and God is, is stripping us down to our spirit, getting all the soulish trappings off, all the the great big ideas we have about, you know, wealth, money, and transfer, all that kind of stuff. Wealth has been transferred about four times since a prophecy was given, and we didn't get none of it. There's been a great wealth transfer during this pandemic, whether you know it or not, because small businesses have collapsed at an alarming rate. But guess who got richer? Um, Facebook, Amazon. Uh, you know, who are the other ones? Netflix, all of those, Fang, F-A-N-G, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, all those, they got much, much richer. Bazillions of dollars richer. And it was all arbitrary what, what was shut down. There's no reason to shut down. It's not like the, the, the virus knows the difference between a church and a Walmart. I don't think it does. And they both, Walmart's much more crowded. Home Depot, same thing. So these corporate entities stayed alive, got richer because they got the business that the small businesses used to have. So that's a wealth transfer. You got me? And so I don't see many people I know ever got any of that. (laughs) Unless you were heavily invested in stock, you know, some of us are, but you know what I'm saying. So let's let's get on with the real work of the ministry. We're to focus on not goods, but on God and, and what God wants us to do. We have been, uh, our churches have been empty, just like the Temple of Jerusalem was empty during that time. The flock was scattered. Zerubbabel brought them back. Our flocks are still scattered. We've been forbidden to assemble and support each other corporately. No worship, no agreement in prayer, no corporate prayer. But God scatters and then he gathers, just like Zerubbabel was a gatherer. And I believe God's raising up people now who are gatherers and, and he's speaking to them what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. They're not as active now as they are going to be, I don't believe. Um, I believe we have yet to see the next move of God as it really, really is. I think many of the people who are speaking now, their voices are starting to trail off like they don't have much to say anymore. And I think they'll start to speak more by unction. 
then by desire to have something to say. And so it's going to be done by his spirit. I mean, I think the discipline among God's leaders is going to be so tight that in the results that they're going to get. See, when, when you limit what your spirit gets involved in to what God says is timely and the timing of God and the words of God and the message of God, that's extremely powerful. That's more powerful than, say, coming on every day and having a prophecy for people. Having a timely word that has been 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 stored in your spirit until the time of release of God and the impact that it will have, it will reverberate in the realm of the spirit and others will pick it up and they'll be able to feast on it and they'll be able to live out of it because it's the now word of God. It's the powerful, impactful word of God. So in scattering, God causes individuals to seek him. And then as he brings us back together again, we're drawn by his spirit into the entity that is the body of Christ. That, that's, that's what really forms the body of Christ, is God speaking to people individually and drawing them by his spirit and gathering them back together. In Zechariah 8.23, um, we see the restoration of God's people to prominence. He says they will be sought after. Amen. Let me read that just just because I have it here. Uh, Zechariah 8.23. I'll stay in the Amplified. Thus says the Lord of hosts in those days, 10 men out of all languages of all nations shall take hold of the robe of he who is a Jew or anointed, saying, let us go with you. For we have heard that God is with you. Amen. So this persecution that we're getting now, the believers are getting now, is for our cleansing. That's what persecution comes from. It comes to help you to stand back, reflect, examine. It keeps you away from the world. It keeps you from strength from God. Persecution is a disciplinary measure. From God, it keeps you close to Him. You have to stay close to Him in order to survive. You can't go back out into the world. So persecution lets you know that, that the world is forbidden territory for you. you. Got no business wanting to go into the world and be friends with the world anyway. And so God causes the world to want to prick you all the time. But at some point, that will end, and the scales begin to come off of the eyes of the unbeliever and the sinner. And the person who is outside of the covenants of God, and they will cling to the believer saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So God is is revealing himself more and more and more. It's in the secret place. It's in places here, there, and everywhere. But people just in general are, are seeking God more, talking about more, God more. Um, I know most of us on social media uh, are friends with many, many Christians. Um, and But there are people, and you can tell by the way they talk, they are, they are new Christians. These people haven't, they're not church, they haven't been in a church, but they want prayer. They talk about God, they read scriptures, they post scriptures. Um, 
everybody has something to say um, and God is in their conversation. So, and, and this is the time where God is revealing himself to people and he will gather us again uh, in, unto himself. In Zechariah 9, 12, there was another point I wanted to make out. And it says here, um, turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto you. So the losses that we have received, we will receive double for those. Let me see what that says like in the Amplified. Return to the stronghold of security and prosperity. That is the sanctuary of God, you prisoners of hope. Those of us who have been held captive by the hope that we will see a move of God in our time. Even today do I declare that I will restore double your formal prosperity to you. Former prosperity, double. What's the most valuable thing you have? It's God. Well, you're going to get the double portion. This is the Elisha anointing that everybody talks about. They want double portion of his spirit. You know, we're quick to say stuff like that. But it comes after a season of persecution and isolation and being concerned about your daily bread. And I think God's going to keep a certain level of persecution among his people just to keep us honest and keep us out of the world and keep our minds out of worldly endeavors. We will see salvation, uh, uh, the precious jewels of God. That's in Zechariah 9.16. It says, and the Lord, their God, will save them on that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be the precious jewels of a crown, lifted high over and shining literally, glitteringly upon his land. So God's people now will come into prominence. We will be the outshining, the glory of God. Uh, I believe that Habakkuk 2.14 is our goal. That's where we're headed. As surely as I live, saith the Lord, the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. And whenever the Bible speaks about waters, seas, that's people, nation. Um, and so through his people will be seen his glory. And we will be empowered to do signs and wonders. In Zechariah 10.1, he says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter or spring rain. So this again speaks of the, the final move of God, where the former and the latter rain will be poured out together. It is the Lord who makes lightnings which usher in the rain and give men showers and grass for everyone in the field. And so God is, is speaking to us that we have been locked down, we've been scattered. We've been shut down, but he says, while you're shut down, pray for rain. Pray for the outpouring of his spirit. Pray for what God wants to do in, in, in our time to get us ready for what he's going to do. And I believe there will be a mighty breakthrough um, in God. I think there's going to be something that God is going to do very suddenly that's going to flip this whole thing around 
so that we will, instead of being hiding in caves and, and, and all of that, God's going to make this thing come right side up. When it comes right side up, the right people will be in prominent places of leadership and service, not just leadership in, in fame. Because there are several things that I think God is not real pleased with that have been, been I guess, hallmarks of, of the church. And I would say in the past 30, 40 years, the focus on money, fame and recognition, numbers, um, members, supporters, mailing lists, popular messages, TV presence. um, It hasn't really empowered the people. See, it's taught the people and it's kept the people occupied, but it hasn't empowered them. When you empower people, they go out and do the works of God. And we don't see much of that. Before. We ain't getting the bang for our buck for what we're soaking into the gospel message in these venues. There's not enough return to where God can really pour out his spirit in the way he wants to for a move of God. So he's going to have to pull us away from these things and get us in a secret place where he can touch us individually with his power. So none of these things will avail us anything unless God favors us and restores his reign in our hearts. The coming move of God will be by his spirit. Habakkuk 2.14, as surely as I live, the earth will be filled with the knowledge. How is the earth going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord? People, people are going to know and people are going to be empowered. And one person will tell another person and that, that spirit will be imparted to that individual that, that is receiving of them. And that's how it's going to happen. This revival will be the reign of God in our hearts. Believers doing the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4.11, which we don't see much of. Churches will be houses of prayer and equipping stations. Not entertainment, not personalities, not lifting up one prominent person and a bunch of people under their control or their authority, but it will be, be a zeal for God's house. People right now are getting to know God more personally than they ever have. I'm raising my hand as one who's doing. And I've been preaching and I've been doing what I thought was obedience to God. But I'm telling you, it's going to be different. Because what God is showing me, what he's imparting to me, what he's giving to me in the secret place, um, we needed this. If this is what it took for this to happen, then, then I'm thankful. I'm very, very thankful. Um, The uh, people who are captive backsliders, the disgruntled and discarded will return to the house of the Lord, wherever he may lead them. Uh, They don't go back where where they used to go. That's fine. As long as God finds them and and, and begins the work of of restoration in them. Uh, We must have the full service of God's gifts in his house. The Levite singers and rappers must return to the house of God. They've been scattered into the world, uh, but they're starving out there. They're not doing as well as they used to, because as soon as one gets famous and comes up, somebody else is coming, nipping at his heels. Um, It's it's like, um, (laughs) I'll tell you a worldly example, uh, some of these these talent shows, uh, 
oh, you know, the ones, the ones that, that people come in and sing and American Idol, those kinds of things where somebody's real, they blow up real fast and then shoot right down. Somebody else is waiting in the wings to take their place. And I think that's where where many of the um, the uh, Levitical gifts will return to the house of God uh, because they'll have no place else to go and they'll be comfortable being a servant and 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 not caring about being famous. Man, um, there's a Barabbable thought to keep the work the work pure uh, during his time. Uh, the mixture weakened the rebuilding of the temple and installed it for five decades. So there were many, many people that, that wanted to, they came to Zerubbabel uh, and said, let me help you build. I can do this and I can do that. And it caused weakness in the building. And that's what took, that's why he was, was not able to accomplish it. There was too much mixture. When Nehemiah came on the scene, there was purity and the temple was rebuilt in 52 days. So what five decades of Zerubbabel trying to do it couldn't do, uh, 52 days, Nehemiah. And, and we're coming into the building on the order of Nehemiah uh, in this last move of God. Uh, we're going to see that. We're going to see rapid building uh, consistent with Amos 9, uh, 13 through 15. Uh, it'll happen so fast your head will swim. One thing on, on the heels of the other, we won't be able to keep up. That's the way the new move of God is going to go. It won't be this slow dragging out. Uh, oh, we got to teach people faith. We got to teach them the word. We know that. What we need to do is have somebody come and light a match and ignite the word that's already in us. And we can go forth and, and do the works of God and, and do it in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And, and we'll see the, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work with us, in us, and through us. So um, that's all I have. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I did have a, a prophecy. Brother Marcel, if, if he wants to play that, this was a word that God gave me. I think people have been wondering um, about... <clears throat> How this nation is going to get straightened back out again? Because anybody who thinks they're having a good time with this country, the way they it, the way it is, is not paying attention, or they're so deep in the spirit they don't care. <laughs> but uh, there's some things in the natural that need to be straightened out. Our our schools need to be straightened out and, and teach get rid of a lot of this ungodliness and filth that kids are being exposed to. Purity has to come back. Innocence has to come back. A lot of those things need to be reestablished. And, and I believe God's going to do a quick work with that. We'll be amazed at, at how he does it. But he did give me a prophecy about that. Um, Have I not told you? Call on me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things. That you know not, says the Spirit of God. Great and mighty things that you know not, says the Spirit of God. The great and the mighty is yet to be revealed, says the Spirit of God. For where the enemy would bring chaos and bring confusion, and he's strutting his might, and he's attempting to show his might, it's very small from where I sit. 
It's real small from where I sit, says the Lord. So come up on a little higher and view things with me where I am. Get a better view, says the, get a better view, says the Spirit of God. For I have a view that will blow your mind, says the Spirit of the living God. But for while the earth is trying to move in chaos, and especially my United States of America, I said my United States of America. I gave birth to this nation, says the Spirit of God. I planted it, and what I plant, no pluck says no man can pluck up, says the Spirit of the Living God. When I plant it, I mean plant it. And when I plant it, I cause it to grow. And if something's grown in it that I don't want in it, I pluck it up, I cut it off, I cast it down, I cast it in the fire to burn, says the Spirit of God. And watch the great and mighty thing that I do on top of what the devil's doing in the earth. Watch the great and mighty thing that I do. Because I let him have his day. I let him do his thing. I let him steal. I let him cheat. I let him scatter people. I let him lie to people. And then I come and I do my thing, says the Spirit. Have I not told you, wait until the dust settles, says, wait until the dust settles, wait until the dust settles. Wait until the dust settles. And when the dust settles, says the Lord, I and my bride will be the last man standing. Says this, well, I'll be the last man standing. And I'll bring with me those who want to stand with me, says the Spirit of God. So determine in your heart today who you love. Says this, determine in your heart today who you love, says the Lord. Who do you love? If you love this whole world and the things of the world, I got news for you. You will be very disappointed, says the Lord. For what I have for you, you've got to carry it in your heart until I make it manifest, says the Lord. So carry this within your heart today, says the Lord. Wait until the dust settles. And when it settles, I will be the last man standing. Wait until I come and show you the great and mighty thing that you have never seen on this fashion before, says the Spirit of the living God. For all who will not bow to me in this time, in this age, in this generation, I'll deal, says the Lord. No, I want you to buy nothing. I want you to lose nothing. I will, I'll deal with it myself, says the Lord, because the devil has played his last hand in trying to take this nation from me, says the Lord. You've seen this before. One world rule, tower of Babel, whatever you want to call it. This has been around before. What did I do to it? I crushed it, says the Lord, says the spirit of the living God. So wait, just watch and see. Just watch and see, says the Lord. I'll show you great and mighty things. You have no idea what I'm going to do. Because when it comes, people are going to gasp. People are going to be uh, fainting. People are going to be jumping out of windows. People are going to be doing all kind of things, says the Lord. Because they will say, ooh, I never saw it on this fashion before. And that's my calling card, says the Spirit of the living God. People will marvel and say, I never saw it like this before. I can't believe all this happened in this little place, says the Lord. But it will happen because I have said it will happen. Mark my words. I'm a man of my word. But none of my word has ever failed. And this won't fail either, says the Spirit of the living God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. All ears will tingle when they hear this, says the Lord. When I do things, I do things big. Because I'm big. Can't help myself. I'm just big. <laughs> I'm just big. Amen. I'm just big, says the Lord. When I do this thing, I will do it big. Because my mark will be on it. And they will look at it and they'll say, this must be the work of God. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God.